This does not have to be complicated, but this is super important. Um, anybody that's gone to business school and taken the class, they always say accounting is the language of business. And it's so true because mm -hmm. everything that you do in business is going to come back to the accounting department somehow. So embrace it. Start early. The earlier you can get your relationship with money, the earlier you can get your understanding of your business finances, and the earlier you can start planning for your future, the better. back with another episode of growth theory i'm so excited today which i say every time whatever but my very own cpa and bookkeeping angel from the heavens is on today she's been on before and we've talked a lot about a lot of things financially but i wanted to have her back because since i've worked with you yes. i have learned so many new things i've uncovered so many things and honestly it's been quite the learning curve for me, but a necessary one. And I'm excited because now I don't fear uh, so much success anymore because I know exactly what I have you. <laughs> so yes. we'll get into all the questions and all the things. Brittany, go ahead and introduce yourself. Tell us about your service, what you offer and how you help people. Thank you. Hi, everyone. My name is Brittany Chantel Jackson. I am a certified public accountant based out of Detroit, Michigan. I recently celebrated my fifth year of being a licensed CPA. And my father and I, Lionel Jackson, have a business called Intrinsic Accounting, and we offer bookkeeping and accounting services for small business owners, specifically coaches and creative entrepreneurs. So if you are someone who addresses yourself or claims to be a creative or a coach, we are best for you. And a few of our services are monthly bookkeeping services. If you are DIYing, we do what is known as a reconciliation, where we just confirm that everything is in your system is actually up to date and correct and answer questions. We offer one-on-one -on -one coaching. And then we have very specialized services such as QuickBooks setups, QuickBook training, pricing strategy, business strategy, all that you can know to help you on the business side of your business. Yes, I love it. Y'all hit her up. So, and I'm sure you will after this because she's about to answer so many good questions. So to get us started off, I did a little poll on Instagram just to gather some questions. Mm -hmm. and I wanted to kick off today's episode with the question, at what point should someone consider hiring someone like you. Now, before we go deep into this, I remember telling you that I never thought it was time unless I was making tons and tons of money. Right. So help someone who's listening, who may have had that preconceived idea like I did. Yes. So I always tell people it's best to meet with a CPA and a lawyer right when you're in that idea phase, thinking that you're about to start your business. So the short answer is from the beginning, and it doesn't have to be on a monthly basis. It could be on an ad hoc needed basis. And I think some people don't realize that they can do that as well. I know some people think, oh, it's a long-term um long-term agreement, a long-term relationship. But if you're in that first phase and you really want to know, I'm thinking about starting potentially an LLC as a sole member or as a partnership, what are the requirements in my state? What are my requirements federally? Or what is a good strategy for a budget on how I need to set up my business plan 
a CPA could definitely help you with that. So you should really speak with a CPA at the beginning when you're first in that idea generation state, get a cons consultation, see what's available for you. What are some tax deductions that are applicable to the business idea that you're thinking about? Are there any tax credits in your state or in the industry that you're thinking about? And then once you started your business, and yes, when you're like, oh, I want to make some money, it is good to bring in a bookkeeper. And again, a bookkeeper doesn't have to be a CPA. The reason why um, we offer bookkeeping services is because we know it's definitely needed, but not all bookkeepers are CPAs. So if you want to go on a more affordable route, you can find a bookkeeper that's in your industry that isn't um, as credentialed as, as us or as a CPA, or you can hire a CPA. And then definitely during tax season, you should get a CPA to make sure that you are filing your taxes correctly and not missing any deductions, not missing any fees, not missing anything that's happening to make sure everything is filled out correctly. Um, and then one more piece that I didn't really talk about and I normally don't a lot, but it's important is a CPA is great for financial planning as well as tax planning. And that happens throughout the year. It's not something that happens when you're filing your taxes because now the year is up. You should be doing your financial planning and your tax planning throughout the year to get the best situation for you. Yeah, I mean, epic. I, I honestly wish that whole clip, I had had it years ago. Uh, you know, because even working with you, I found how many fees I didn't even know were coming out. I was losing, I literally was like giving money away to whether it was platforms or PayPal. I didn't even know. I was like, PayPal, no. You know, and <laughs> unless you are, I found for me, unless you are somebody who you know what you're doing, this is maybe your profession, it should be left to the professionals because we're not trained. Uh, you know, I know you work with mostly creatives, but anybody I think who's starting something, yes. if you're running a business, it is so much work. So why would you... Why yes. would you even think about those things? Because you have so much on your mind. So yes, hiring someone like you, game changing forever. So the next question that I wanted to touch on was, um, so basically some people think that when they start a business, they can write everything off. And it's funny because before this call, I was on another call uh, for a branding planning session. Yes. And she asked me, Tina, uh, you know, I want to buy new clothes for this photo shoot. Can I write it off? Mm -hmm. I was like, I have an interview later with my, my girl, Brittany, and let me ask her. So we're here. Let us know. What is the difference between what's appropriate? Are there gray areas? Can you just write off a Benz, a Tesla? You know, can you go to Prada and write it off because you're wearing it in your latest branding photo shoot? Help us out. Yes. So when we use the term write-off, this is talking about tax accounting. So there's multiple forms of accounting. When you're doing your bookkeeping, that is financial accounting. And then when you're filing your taxes, that is tax accounting. So we probably have heard the term tax deduction. And a tax deduction in layman's terms are expenses that are allowed by the tax authority. And it has to be ordinary and necessary. So when we were on the topic of clothing, the question you have to ask yourself is, can I wear this outfit outside of the brand shoot? Can I wear this outside of recording my YouTube video? Can I wear this outside of the Instagram post or TikTok? And if the answer is yes, the more than likely or not, the IRS is not going to allow this as a ordinary or necessary business expense because it can be used for personal reasons. 
And again, the question is not, will I wear this? The question is, can I wear this? So even if you justify like, oh, nope, only wore it once for the photo shoot and it's hanging in my closet, more than likely than not, they're not going to care. So ways that people have um, been able to utilize clothes as a write-off or as a business expense is having your logo on it. So now this is a promotional item. This is advertising and marketing. Yes, I'm the model advertising and marketing the product, but I typically will not be wearing a branded intrinsic accounting on my chest every single day or on a typical um, more than for business. And then when it comes to, we talked about like the Tesla. So I see that post all the time where it's like, oh, start a business. You can write off a car in your business name. And there are a lot of tax benefits for you as a business owner. But the key is, is this ordinary is this necessary? If you have a digital business, you never meet with your clients, you never have to drive anywhere, there's no other car in your house, so this is the only car you have, it might be a little hard to justify that this is a true business expense or business asset that I'm depreciating as an expense over time. So it's always important to speak with a CPA that understands your industry to see can you write off different expenses um, in your business and making sure that it is legal and ethical. Yeah, that's brilliant. I love it. Oh, I'm already excited to listen back to this. Uh, so <laughs> for the, the next question, I wanted to talk about, this was very interesting that someone wrote this because this is something that I didn't really understand the concept of, but let's talk about how sales are actually not, in fact, <laughs> the most important number in your business. Tell us more about this concept, because a lot of us, when we make money, we're like, oh, yes, <laughs> I got 500 in the bank. Like I remember when I was starting my photography business, I would charge like $200 and I was like, $200, I have money. Yes. And that was not, that was not the number I needed to be focusing on. So please help us out. Yes. So um, as Tina knows, in our business, we help our clients think about a profit mindset and a net worth mindset. Self is important, but it's not, like she said, the most important number because that's just the top of the line. Mm -hmm. Typically, if you have a sale, there's some type of expense attached to it. Whether if it's just the PayPal fee, the Stripe fee, the Square fee that's coming out because you've used the payment processor, there's an expense attached to it. So you're not receiving 100% of your sales in cash unless and again, that's just trying to use simple because you probably have other expenses such as your website, such as um, a photographer for a photo shoot or yeah. any other expenses, software, Adobe products, prices go up and it's a monthly basis. So we know we got some type of expense that we have. So we ask people to look at it from a profit standpoint. And the reason why is what am I keeping out of the sales that I'm making? So I'm doing a $500 photo shoot what percentage of that am I keeping as profit? And then we switch over to net worth because if your business has some debt, your net worth isn't going to equal your assets, which your assets will be the cash that you have in your bank account, the equipment that you have, if you have any inventory, if you are blessed to own any property, et cetera. So things that you own, when you subtract out the debt that's attached to that, then you have your net worth. So when we speak with our clients, we always say, yes, it is great. We want to continuously increase sales, but more importantly, we want to help you increase your profit as well as increase your net worth. Yeah. 
I love that. Yeah, because it's so important, I think. And it also helps you've helped me figure out how to even think about high price things. You know, before I would be like, everything's included, but then it's like, okay, but you're walking away with not that much, you know, so it's fine. Everything's covered. But if you can't walk away with money to help pay your bills, you know, at that point, what are we doing? So I know not to to cut you off, but cut you off. That's a good point. The piece is, especially with um, for Tina example, you do the pre, you do the during and you do the post of your photo shoots. Mm-hmm. If Tina g- grows into a way that she wants to hire somebody to outsource the pre-process for her or even the post-process, that's going to be an added expense. So that's why you should already be thinking about your future expenses that you might have to pay for or incur is the accounting term so that when you already add them in is not a drastic shock to your business because you've already been charging that as well as you have the possibility of saving so you can actually afford to pay for it and not have to kind of hustle to get a photo shoot or a sale to cover these new expenses. Yes. Oh, that is so good. That is so good. Um, the next question, I feel like we've touched on it a little bit, but someone asked to define expenses. What is an expense and how to know what that looks like? Should you keep your expenses as low as possible? Does it matter? So I'll let you speak on that. Yep. So, um, one of the things we pride ourselves on is each business is unique and customizable. So if we have a client who's in the investment stage, we know that expenses are going to be a lot higher because they're investing in learning how to be better on sales calls or investing in understanding how to actually do a photo shoot or do better with makeup or adding microblading, et cetera. So because of that, your expenses at one period of time might be higher than normal, but because of that, now we're going to be like, okay, let's make a plan to make sure that you still reach your yearly goal. So when you think about your expenses, so first, what is an expense? An expense is... That's so funny because it's like revenue is the money you make. Expenses are what you pay for. It's is um because I was about to be going also into the accounting world. Is what you pay for in layman terms. So yeah. different type of expenses that you may have in your business are office supplies, the different softwares that you use, advertising and marketing, branding, photo shoots. Um, if you are a photographer, when you rent out studios, if you pay for a retoucher, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. If money is typically going out. Unless you are paying yourself, and I know we're going to talk about that a little later, um, that is going to be an expense. So an expense is literally what you pay for to help you run your business. Um, And then when it comes to the amount, it's asking myself, what do I want my net income to be? So if I want majority of my sales to become profit, then yes, you're going to keep those expenses low. Again, if you're in that investment phase, your expenses may be higher, but then you want to say, how am I going to get that return on this investment so my profit overall can get back? So it really depends. And then the other piece, it depends on your industry. For some industry, profit margins are very tight because if you, for example, are a boutique owner, and if you're buying a dress for $20 and your ideal client's like, I'm not going to be spending more than $30, $50 on a product, well, then your profit margin is going to be a lot lower Then if you're working with a photographer or a coach and they have very, very low expenses and they're able to keep majority of that money. Yeah, that's so good. And, you know, this summer, I think I 
I feel like this year I've spent more on my expenses, but I definitely like for me, I invested in a coaching program. I think that's the most I've ever spent. You know, you were like, what's this number? But um, <laughs> we talked about like, what is there? Is this going to pay off? What's the long term plan? You know, and I love how you were very honest with me. Like, you know, sometimes don't just pay for random courses. Don't just put your money in a lot of stuff because sometimes we don't even end up finishing it or utilizing whatever that is. I mean, I had softwares that I really wasn't even using. So I had to go through and be like, oh, I, that money just kept coming out. Or if it was Mm -hmm. a program, maybe I didn't even finish it. And is it actually benefiting my overall business or is that just money that went, went somewhere? So yeah, I think it is good. Like you said, it depends. And just knowing what your overall goals are, like, is there a long-term goal in this money being spent for the business? So Thank you so mm-hmm. much for that answer. That was no really problem. Cool. Um, this one's big. Someone says, why is having separate accounts, personal versus business, so important, even if you're so small? So speak mm-hmm. on that, because some of us, you know, when you get started, you're not making that much. Maybe someone's using, God forbid, Venmo, Cash App. They're just getting collecting money. We'll talk about that, too please. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they <laughs> all go to their personal account because why it's not that much. So, um, one, um, just a disclaimer, I am not a lawyer. I am right. a CPA. And so it is legally required to make sure your business and your personal is separated. Even if you feel like I'm not making a lot of money, but you also want to make sure that you understand there's a terminology in accounting that is Um, a separate business entity. So your business is a separate lifestyle of its own. So it's in your way, if you want to think about it, it's a separate person. And you want to make sure this person is handling their business correctly. And you as an individual is handling your business personal correctly. So this is why you have to separate it. And as you grow, you will be very surprised um, how people just like, I don't remember if this was business or personal. And unfortunately, if you were to be audited by the IRS and you had all of your business transactions and all your personal transactions in the same bank account, if you can't prove that this is a business expense and you've used it as a deduction, they have the right to disallow that deduction, which means now you have a tax bill and you owe some money. And if you owe, that means some fines and penalties are going to happen as well. So on the back, on the future end, it can be a bit negative for you not to separate, especially not just if you're audited, but in the long run of how you mentally are handling your business. But in the short run, you should separate it so you can really see this is how much my business is making. This is how much I'm making. And then if you want to transfer money over, then do it that way. But you should definitely separate as soon as possible. Yeah. Hundred percent. I I'm right there with you because funny thing, back to personal experience with us. I would, <laughs> I set up my PayPal account. Um, so I use PayPal and Shootproof, obviously, to bring in my my payments. But PayPal, I set up the business account, but I don't know what happened. But for some reason, every time I would transfer the money, it wouldn't calculate it as business. Mm-hmm. It, it would look like personal. So when you started working on my stuff, you were like, what is this? What is this? And I actually, it was hard for me sometimes to go back and be like, I don't know. I don't know. And that was only a season. So I can't, I can't imagine if you were helping me from years past or, you know, just months of, of stuff. It's a lot to remember back to like having a lot on your plate, even if your business isn't that big yet, life is a lot. 
So having those things separate and making sure that the finances are going where they need to go can help you so much. So I just had to, to say that little, um, that little note. Thank you. Yeah, she's the best y'all. Um, so this is the next question. How can someone pay themselves? This is huge. I think a lot of people, yes. including myself, it, sometimes it gets a little nerve wracking because you're like, I don't know. I don't know. So help us maybe have some guidelines for this and just overall get our mindset right. So this is a huge topic and um, most of, I don't want to say a miscommunicated, but not fully disclosed topic when we find free content. And the first thing I want you to know is if you have not established yourself as an employee of your business and on, and you are on payroll. And when I say payroll, I mean, using an actual payroll system, such as QuickBooks payroll, Gusto, ADP, there's multiple ones that you can Google and say, what's the top 10 payroll systems? If you are not actually doing payroll like you were at a nine to five, mm-hmm. you are not what is considered a employee of the business, meaning that when you pay yourself, you are not an expense to your business. And that is a huge misthink because if you're DIYing your bookkeeping, you're like, oh, I paid myself, so I'm going to reduce my net income because I got my revenue. I pay myself. Now my income is smaller, but in reality, no, you are not. The proper term is owner's draw, which falls under our net, um, our net worth. So our equity of our owner's equity. So when you pay yourself all in all, you're just taking net worth out of the business. If you're the only owner, you still own hundred percent of the business. Now you just own a little bit less, but again, that doesn't reduce your net income. So I just wanted to first clarify the difference between when you're an employee and you're on payroll and you have your payroll expense and you're paying your payroll taxes and the necessary things for employees versus when you take money out as the owner. Now, there's multiple ways that you could pay yourself, which is you can pay yourself a salary. So you have that set amount and every month you're going to pay yourself that set amount regardless of the profit or the sales in the business, because that is what a salary is. If you put 50 hours, if you put 10 hours, you still get your coins. Or you can put yourself on an hourly basis if that's something that you want to do as well. And you time track and you set yourself a reasonable compensation. So that means you should be doing research on what a typical person would get paid for the business that you have, which a great place is job postings. That's public information. It has a good description for you and the typical wage, whether hourly or salary, or you can do a percentage of sales or a percentage of profit. So if you're like every month, I'm going to pay myself 10% of whatever my profit is. If you got a highly profitable month, you got paid more. If you got a less profitable month, you got paid less. Um, So those are some good ways. And what I would say, as always, make sure you have a job description set up for everything that you do. So you actually have official documents. You have a payment schedule. So you have a calendar and saying, these are the days and I'm going to pay me and not just randomly taking money out of your account. Um, Make sure that if you um, have, because you will, not if you, because you will have your separate business and personal checking account, if you're going to do a transfer, you need to record that transfer so it doesn't look like you're just moving money, but it's actually to pay yourself and email yourself to say, hey, this is your payment. Email yourself from your business account to your personal account. So having proper records to support the transactions that you're doing is so key to make sure it doesn't look like you're still, what the term is, commingling funds. 
So even though you might have that separate business and personal account, if it still looks like you're commingling funds, that could still be a red flag. Mm. I know that was a lot. <laughs> I don't even think I breathed, like took a breath. It was so good. It was so good though. But you mentioned that in the last podcast about emailing yourself and keeping record. Yes. And that is so important. I think uh, one thing that helped me when I was going through it with you was I did, I had an Excel sheet and I remember going through and pulling in my email, like, no, I remember what that was, you know? So when I, I would not have remembered if I had not kept track of that, yes. even when you have somebody like a Brittany, right? It's still important to know because you don't know everything and you might have questions pop up randomly and be like, hey, we're just trying to verify what this is. I don't know. We're all messed up. So emailing, keeping track of those things is so important for sure. Oh, my gosh. That was such a good that was such a good answer. And yeah, you didn't breathe. But that's how I know <laughs> it's real. And then just, to, and then, um, just to double track, like if you have officially um, set yourself up as an employee in your business, which again, consult with a CPA um, to set that up for you, depending on where you are, um, you want to make sure you follow all your state, federal, and local guidelines. And remember, that money is not your money. So if you are saving money aside for Social Security and Medicare for yourself, um, or self-employment or whatever the different taxes that you have to keep, that tax money is not yours. So do not spend that money. You need to have a separate checking account within your business checking account set up for taxes so that when it's time to the term is remit that funds to the respective locations, you can send it off because again, you don't want to spend money that's for the taxes for the tax authority on operations. So that's another a violation that you don't want to do. That's amazing. And, you know, I did want to touch on what you just said about like knowing all of the state regulations. Mm-hmm. It's all different. It, and I, in my mind, I was like, oh, it's all the same. No, it's so different, which is another reason why it's important to invest and consult with someone in your position, because you may think you understand. I'm keeping track. I have an Excel sheet, but okay. But it, it's probably not legal <laughs> fully. You're not, <laughs> you're not, you know, you're not actually doing what you need to do to protect yourself and put the money where it needs to go. So that's another reason why people need to uh, hit you up after this for sure. Um, Cause it's, it is hard. I think some people think like they'll watch a YouTube video or they'll, they'll think that they know how to run money or they're good with money, but it's, it's not if you're good or bad with money, it's knowing the rules. And did you study yes. it? And what you told me, I've noticed even with you and me, the rules do change. Sometimes we had mm-hmm. pandemic, there were loans going out. Are you qualified? Do you even know what that, what that would look like for you? So you're almost like missing opportunities when you don't consult a professional because you don't know what the latest thing is. Can you qualify for that? Um, are you protected? So just so many things I had to, I just wanted to shed light on that. Um, so for the next question, I wanted to ask you, can you talk briefly about assets versus liabilities in yes. your business? I had a hard time saying that one. Liabilities. <laughs> liabilities, yes. Assets are what you own. And when I say what you own, most small businesses, your biggest asset is probably going to be your cash in your bank account, as well as in your payment processors. So it's not just the cash that's 
in your checking and savings account. But if you have money sitting in your PayPal, if you currently have any funds sitting in Stripe and Square, you want to make sure that is kept track of as well, especially if you don't zero it out every time. Because one thing I tell people is, Looking at your bank statement is not doing your bookkeeping because more than likely your bank account is the last spot that the money is going. It's probably touched somewhere else, which Stripe, Square, Shootproof, Wix has their own payment processors, all of these different payment processors where your true sales are happening and then you're just transferring the money to your bank account. So um, assets are what you own, different type of assets. Again, the first one is cash. Um, the next one is known as accounts receivable, which is typically for companies that are on the accrual basis of accounting, which we haven't talked about the different two, uh, which is one is cash basis of accounting and one is accrual. And accounts receivable is the money that's owed to you. So if you invoice the client and they haven't paid you yet, well, if you're on the accrual basis, you're still going to record that revenue and then you're going to decrease it once you receive the cash. Another form of assets are inventory. So if you sell a physical product, the inventory that you have is an asset for you because it's going to help you generate revenue in the future once we sell it. Um, another one is known as like your intangible assets. So small businesses typically don't have many intangible assets. Um, and then you have what is known as on balance sheet and off balance sheet. So some of your off-balance sheet assets that you probably have that you didn't even know for intangibles is your mailing list. That definitely has some value, um, but because you created it and you're not going to, you can't price what you probably created, um, you're not going to have it on your balance sheet, but it is a good selling point if you need to speak to people that are interested in potentially investing in your business or giving you a loan. And then some of our um, assets that are longer are your property plant and equipment. So as a photographer, you have your camera, which if you've invested a big amount, um, you're probably going to put it as an asset and not just expense it directly. And that's going to be on there, your lighting equipment, um, potentially your studio um, setup, all of those would be different assets. And then the last one, if you're blessed to own a piece of land, that is the last piece um, that we have. And those are just random examples of assets that you potentially could own. And then liability is debt. <laughs> liability simple. is the, right. I just like real simple. Liability is the debt, um, which is what you owe in your business. So you have multiple forms of liabilities as well. So if you took out a loan, you have a note, what is called a notes payable. Um, there's different type of loans, unsecured, secure, a line of credit. If you have a credit card, that's a liability. Um, if you owe your vendors. So I know that some people have the opportunity of having what is known as like net 30 with their um, different type of vendors that they have. So you have an accounts payable. So that means you're going to pay them at a later date. Um, and those for you, I must say like liabilities are like so straightforward, but again, liabilities are what you owe um, to somebody that's either the bank or your vendors or, oh, the last piece is what's known as unearned revenue. Um, and again, that's for the accrual basis of accounting. So when somebody gives you a deposit, and if you're on the, the accrual basis, that would be considered unearned revenue because you haven't done the work for that money they have given you. So once you actually provide the service, then you will move it over to revenue. Mm, this is so good. And, and this, just what you just said goes to show most of us don't know this world. And that's why we need to hire somebody like you to help us because 
there's just so much out here to know. And finances are something that I just don't think we're taught. Obviously, we're not taught it. And I don't know mm-hmm. why, but if we have the means and we're able to be in a position to seek counsel, why not? Uh, so the last question that I wanted to touch on today is hiring somebody. So I know a lot of us people, maybe who are listening to this podcast, start out as solopreneurs, right? So we're, we're alone. We are the marketing. We are the, the person doing the actual service, making the product, all of the things. But there comes a point when you're like, I need help, whether that's outsourcing or hiring a contractor to help you out. Um, let's talk about it. So I let's start with talking about um, outsourcing maybe and having a contractor, because I know you and I spoke about this. I didn't know that there is a, a number ceiling that once you hit that, you have to fill out a whole form and get someone else to sign it. I mean, this whole time I've been like, here, just take some money and help me. And I didn't know that there were <laughs> like, like, help me. Yes. And I didn't know that there were there were legal documents that you have to put together depending on mm-hmm. hiring someone, even if you're a small business, even if. So help us figure out when it's like when we hire someone, what are some of the ways that we can pay them? Does it matter? Do we, if it's a certain number, are we good? You know, help us figure out what those guidelines are. Okay, thank you. So the first thing we want to think about is, are you hiring an employee or a contractor? Mm -hmm. So uh, one of the things I made a nice little graphic um, based off information on the IRS site. So making sure I go to the source and just simplified it for each uh, um, for everybody. And the first question you want to ask yourself is, does the company, so you as the business owner, control what the worker does and how the worker does his or her job? So if the answer is no, you're starting to lean a little bit more towards the contractor side. And if the answer is yes, then you're leaning more towards the employee side. Mm -hmm. So then our next question we're going to ask are, are the business aspects of the worker's job controlled by the payer? Which again, you would be the payer. If you say no, we're still on that contractor side. And if you said no, when you was on the employee side, you want to see if it depends. But if you say yes, then we get to the next piece. Are there written contracts or employee type benefits? If the answer is yes, more than likely than not, you have an employee. And the answer is no, you have a contractor. Why is this important? This is important because your requirements of paying taxes for these individuals are different when you have a contractor versus an employee. When it comes to the contractor, the contractor is responsible for making sure they pay the respective taxes for the income they make. While for if you are on the employee side, there are requirements of the employer you have to do. And you want to be very, very careful that you do not cross the line of having someone with the title of a contractor, but you're treating them as an employee. So that's the first thing you want to know is when you start asking questions, do I actually have an independent contractor? And another way, that's why I say it's independent. So with Tina, when she hires a second photographer to help her for a wedding, they can still go do other photo shoots. They're not, or for um, weddings or other events, they're not just stuck to her. So they're typically probably an independent contractor. But if she had somewhere, I only want you to shoot with me, you're exclusive. These are the hours that you have to work. You get time off, you have vacation, then she's leaning more towards the employee side. 
So that's the first thing that I just want to make sure we clear up. Um, and then can you restate the second half of the question? <laughs> yeah, no, you're good. Um, I was just saying like, so that's wonderful. And I actually want to <laughs> link that graph to the show notes because literally it's really visually good to see it. it it's great. You did a great job. Um, but no, I was just seeing how, cause I know with us, we talked about having like how I had to fill out, a, I had to do the, the form. Oh, yes. And before I truly, because I remember being hired as a second shooter, mm-hmm. you know, and I wouldn't get paid that much. And I used to be like, I know I'm worth more than this, but you helped me see maybe that's because they didn't want to have to go through all of the, the steps. I don't know. So help us understand, uh, you know, are there caps when you are paying someone? Is there a, a little loophole where you don't have to maybe fill out forms? And when you do reach that, why it is important to fill out those forms. Yep. So um, the two forms, and these are the IRS forms that you want to make sure that you fill out, is you want to have them fill out the form W-9. So a form W-9 is sent by the business owner to the contractor to collect their contact information and their tax numbers. And this will allow you to fill out what is known as the 1099 which is going to show how much you actually paid them. So the minimum is $600. So if you have a contractor that you pay more than $600 US dollars, you're required to send them a form 1099. Now, if you pay them less than $600, you can still send them this form. So it's more so that it's the 600 is minimum, but you um, can definitely send it below. Now, one of the misconceptions that um, individuals um, I definitely have noticed think is, oh, well, I didn't make $600 from this person. I don't have to claim that on my tax return as a contractor or as income for me. And that is, again, a misconception. Even if you only make $300 from Tina and she doesn't give you a 1099, you made $300 from Tina. So you're still supposed to record that as income. And because Tina does a great job and you that are listening are going to do a great job as well, and you're probably going to make sure you have either you sent them money via PayPal or you sent them the cash through something that can be tracked, you're going to record that as an expense for your business. So because you're recording that for expenses your business, the IRS or whoever's looking at is going to say, well, where's the corresponding revenue for somebody else? So if they don't see that, that can be a red flag. So again, the $600 or more is for the business owner to be required to send the form 1099 is not to say, oh, I don't have to record this as income. So please make sure that all the income that you have coming in, you need to um, actually record it as well. Yeah. Yeah. And I love how you say it. It's got to match, you know, because if they mm-hmm. you told me, like if they come looking or the IRS one day comes looking and, you know, it's not the, the it's not matching in the system, you can be in trouble. So I was like, let me get these forms. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And it's again, it's just to cover your basis. So you never know. You could be like, OK, with the one shooter, I'm only going to use this individual for one wedding, but then you are blessed with a huge wedding at the end of the year that wasn't in your projection. And now you need them again. You'd rather get the form of the W-9 as soon as the relationships start. And then if you don't need it, great. But if you do need it, you already have it and you're not chasing people after the fact. So is what you want to be proactive instead of reactive. 
Mm, that's so good. Oh, this has been so helpful. And just every time I talk with you, I learn more and more and more. So that's why I, I'm going to have you on again. Obviously, you're my favorite, literally my favorite. financial guest ever. So before we close, I just want you to tell our listeners just something that you feel like a lot of them maybe need to know or something that you've seen to be a common issue when people think about money and business, I want you to like lay it on us, no matter how hard, cold, no matter, you know, snatch our wigs off, whatever that looks like, but give us the tea um, that you see. That's a common problem that we probably should be mindful of and think on. Yes. So let's get back to that topic of write-offs. One thing I want you to remember is the more write-offs you have, the less your taxable income is. So that makes it looks like you are keeping less money, which in the short run sounds great. Yes, I'm paying less money to the IRS, but let's say that you're now trying to get a house and you only work for yourself and they're asking you for your last three tax returns. And because you have written off everything, you look like you're at poverty level. So you want to make sure that you're making good decisions in the short run, but also thinking in the long run of what of these decisions are going to be. And that's why you should speak with a professional. I promise you, even if it's just a consultation or a call, whatever they decide to call it, to really get an understanding of, am I doing this correct? What are some gaps in my business, what are the financial as well as the tax requirements for my business, it can make a huge difference. This does not have to be complicated, but this is super important. Um, Anybody that's gone to business school and taken a class, they always say accounting is the language of business. And it's so true Mm because everything that you do in business is going to come back to the accounting department somehow. So embrace it. Start early. The earlier you can get your relationship with money, the earlier you can get your understanding of your business finances, and the earlier you can start planning for your future, the better. Ah, so good. So good. Y'all, make sure you follow this queen. I have all of her information linked below. Please follow her. And, you know, if you are in need of someone, you already know I'm going to recommend her. She's fantastic. She's gotten my life and finances together. And um, I always find myself wanting to make you proud whenever I'm like, it's the new month. What are my goals? What am I closing? You know, it really does help you get in the right mindset. And so thank you so much again for coming on. Like I said, give her a follow. And until next time, thank you everyone for listening. Thank you.